Uh, well, happy Murder's Day, uh, Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep saying that to, to Esther, happy murder, Murder's Day. Well, I don't. <sighs> I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so. Do you know something? I don't Yeah. Well, yeah, I suppose. Uh, our order of service this morning is uh, page 260, uh, service of prayer and preaching. And uh, our uh, opening hymn is, uh, is hymn 916, Only Begotten, Word of God Eternal. has made let us rejoice from the rising of the sun to its setting 
Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. us in your truth. Your word is truth. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Good morning and blessed Mother's Day to all of our mothers. Our first reading. The first reading is from the 17th chapter of Acts. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this blabber trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Arapagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Open parenthesis. 
All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Close parenthesis. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Arapagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Our second hymn this morning is hymn 504, Father Most Holy.
Our second reading is from the third chapter of First Peter. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteousness for the unrighteousness to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. After being al made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built in only while the ark was being built and it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. This is the word of the Lord.
Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 14th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The, word can, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me, because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Lord, I love the habitation of House and the place where your glory dwells. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. The Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or manservant or maidservant. It's that belongs to your neighbor. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, the only Son of our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. God's grace, his mercy, his peace be multiplied to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. 
I like this first reading. Um, I mean, I like the way the, the, these texts um, come about because I am a, um, a missiologist. Yeah, I know. <laughs> what? What did he say? Um, and we, we uh, I got, you know, advanced degrees in, in missiology, which means the, the mission of God, the missio, is Latin for mission of God, um, and it, it deals oftentimes with missionary work. So there you have it. You've learned, you've learned one thing. The other thing uh, when it comes to missiology is, is how you talk to people in this world. You are a Christian. There are other people that you talk to who aren't Christian, um, and they have different thoughts about the priorities in their lives. It's only natural because, after all, God created us to be sort of chips off the old block, which means we have the desire to, uh, to manufacture, to create. We have thoughts um, that, uh, that we wonder about our origins. And just because we wonder about these things and we are creatures of God does not necessarily mean that we all come to the same conclusion, even about God. Look at the Christian church, how, uh, how divided it is or, and how many different attitudes, not to mention other religions, including natural religions. But I think they, people do understand when things like miracles happen, because this happens in life. Things happen, and there's no reason for them to happen. And how do you explain that? You're going along, everything's fine, and all of a sudden something happens, and then next to it, everything just kind of falls into place, and you go, how in the world did this work out? Miracle? And some things are miracles that we don't even call miracles. I was just talking this morning to about uh, surgery, and surgery is miraculous, is it not? Uh, to be honest, in the days of, of Jesus, uh, Luke the physician, that wasn't saying much. Where did Luke, the physician, where did he graduate from? I don't know. But, uh, you know, they had a lot of placebo type of, uh, you know, medicine happening. Um, you feel kind of sick, you know, run down this little uh, archway of, of sticks and we will whisper to you positive thoughts. Perhaps by the time you get to the end, you won't be sick anymore. No? Oh, well, we tried. Is that still in effect today? Do we not encourage one another to have placebo thoughts? Does it work? Yeah. Always? No. Sometimes you do have to go to the doctor and surprise, surprise, take this little pill and you feel a lot better. What a miracle that is that we have doctors. 
And I'll tell you one of the miracles of, you know, and, and they've even done tests on this. Mamas kissing their little babies, boo-boos. And after you do that, the, the, the little baby stops crying because it feels better. There's actually some medical tests done. I hope we didn't pay too much for those tests, but um, that indicate that there, there are, there's some healing. And, and moms are a big part of that kind of healing. So moms are miraculous in, in how they act, even though they may not feel that they impart miracles they do. Moms, dads, love, loving family, lots of things. Where's all this come from? You see, now that is interesting. The Areopagus in Athens, there, this, uh, the Athenians had um, suffered years and years of a cursed disease, a plague that had never relented. I can't remember exactly the, the times. It was long before Christ. But there was a, um, a man, uh, someone at the Areopagus uh, or in, in Athens, knew of a man named Epimenides, a Cretan. That's, that's not a compliment nowadays, a Cretan. I don't know that we call each other Cretans anymore, but, but you know, that, that's where this Epimenides was. Who was Epimenides? Uh, he was a, a philosopher. Matter of fact, the author of, of this, um, this person who said, and Paul quoted him, we are his offspring. Epimenides was called to come to Athens to help them out because this plague was killing them. And of course, they had statues to so many people, so many gods, that they had entreated, they had gone to, they were searching for. And as you notice, once you get stuck in that habit of searching for new things and gods and that sort of thing, it seems to continue on even until after Jesus came and the Apostle Paul went there and saw all of this stuff. This practice of seeking new things never relented. And Epimenides got there, and, uh, and he was sort of a guy who maybe was aware of spiritual things. And, and maybe that is, a, is something that... that uh, I've noted when you talk to people today, they will say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Okay, there's a touchstone there. Because if you talk about being spiritual, then that must mean that you are open to spirit things. And my only, in a discussion I had with a, a Native American over, um, well, I won't even say where, but in a place where a lot of Native Americans uh, are, where I used to live, and he, I think he tried to set me up, you know, saying, well, you guys, Christianity, you don't believe in, in the spirit world as such, like we believe, and I told him, I said, look, 
I said, I would not presume to tell you anything about spirits and, and that sort of thing. Do I know everything about spirits? Do I know how spirits work all the time in the spirit world? No, I don't. But I said this. This I can, I can say. Pay attention to who you listen to. Pay attention to what spirits you hear. Because spirits will tell you everything. In our reality, we have Almighty God. We have the Holy Spirit. But we do have Satan and his spirits. And that realm can go in unfounded directions. I've heard of someone who called herself a white witch. Which means a witch who works for good. Proclaim that she got her power from Jesus. Now, does that sound right to you? Um, now, that might be an interesting discussion in a Bible study, right? Can God use Satan to carry his message? Wow. Uh, how did Judas fit in this whole thing? You know, the more you talk about these kinds of things, the more confusing it can get. Getting back to Epimenides. Epimenides pulls up on the shore, and of course he sees that, oh, okay, you know, you have a plague, you have all of these things. How are we going to do this? Well, let's set up a, a power confrontation. Let's set this up. And you see in Scripture there are power confrontations. One of the ones that we might be very aware of is Elijah on the, on the mountain with the prophets of Baal. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to build altars and you're going to do it your way and I'm going to do it my way. But in my way, I'm going to have it all ready, but I'm going to let God light the fire. And uh, you let God light your fire. And they did all their things. And they were, their things had to do with cutting themselves and, and all these sorts of things. And their God never lit their fire. And Elijah asked God. And the fire came down from heaven. And he had put so much water on it that he had to build a trough around the altar. And, the, and the, it was overflowing with water. And God not only took out the sacrifice... And all of the things around, but also took up the water. And so Elijah won this power confrontation. God honored. Epimenides said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have you take sheep of different colors, different, you know, so white sheep, black sheep, spotted sheep, striped sheep, whatever sheep. Sheepy sheep, bold sheep. And you're going to pin them up and not let them eat. And we're going to let them out on, on the mount of the Areopagus. And we're going to see which ones lay down. And everybody's just this preposterous sheep laying down when they haven't been fed. And they're on the luscious slopes of the Areopagus. None of them are going to lay down. Sure enough, some of them lay down. 
And they had people watching each sheep and the ones that laid down, here, over here, over here, build an altar. Build an altar, and we will sacrifice the sheep there, right there where they laid down. And they did this. I don't know how many sheep laid down. But wherever they laid down, they built an altar, and then came the thing, well, who are we going to call this? We've, we've got somebody's attention. Because that's a miracle. That's, that's, that's strange. Somebody's listening to our petition. Now what are we going to do? Well, if Epimenides would have had his way, he would have called God Zeus. You see, we're not even dealing with Christianity here. We're dealing with somebody who's open in the spirit world to listening to the power, where the power comes from. And Epimenides made a decision that to call God something that he was not would be to dishonor the very God they were reaching out to. And there was the, the decision made to an unknown God. Because when these sheep did this, they, and they were sacrificed and all this stuff, the plague ceased. God had listened to their prayer. So now the response would be, let us know more about this God. But what actually happened? Centuries later, Paul shows up. And as far as we know, there was only one altar left. And all of those altars that were put up, only one. But that one had the inscription to an unknown God. And Paul the great missiologist that he was, used that. He said, I perceive you to be spiritual. It says religious, but, but it was philosophical. It was all of these things because you had Epicureanisms, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you, you die, right? You're born, you buy shoes, and you die. And then you had stoicism. So, you know, that's, that in itself is, I don't know. There, it sounds to me like there wasn't a lot of happy people around the Areopagus. Sounds to me that they were probably happy about finding stuff. But, but you know, the, the, the Stoics and, ah, you know, it is what it is and... and and that sort of thing. And, and to have something like this happen, someone who could actually change the course, because everybody knows that in Athens there's a plague. There's never been a time when we can remember where there hasn't been a plague. And we've tried to get rid of it and we couldn't. And now all of a sudden it is relented. And this being that who we don't even know has, has visited us and has done so we don't even know what he looks like. We can't. How should we build anything to, to honor him? What does he look like? How can we, can we build a statue? Can we build something? And Paul, then all the way back here, you're in Acts. And, and Paul comes to them, and, and he knows the history because he's quoting the people. See, Paul was pretty smart. He says he's smart. But he actually was. 
And he had done some reading and he understood where he was and what the people could listen to. And he said, look, your own poets have said this. And then he built, he built his discussions based upon their foundation. Where did this altar come from? Do you remember? Antiquity, our father, forefathers, and other... Would you not be open to listening to something like that? Yes, God had planted a seed centuries ago, and now Paul was here to cultivate that. Your own poets have said, look at this altar to an unknown God. I am here to announce this, who this unknown God is. And let me tell you, it's a rip-roaring sermon because... What kind of God would you like today? Would you like a God where he wakes up in the morning and says, Where's my, I don't know, I remember a, commercial, uh, a cartoon, Where's my Hassenpfeffer? And poor God, you know, you have to get up and you have to find, because uh, uh, it's rabbit, you know, and you have to find a rabbit and you have to prepare the rabbit for, so that God is, is happy. And so it's up to you to make God happy. Now, does that sound like some religions today? Not ours. But even in the Christian church, if you don't do certain things, is God not happy with you? I've heard it. I've seen a big sign on the side of the road. God is coming and he's coming soon, and he's not happy. Woo! I got to pull over the side of the road, and I got to recover from that one. We still have that stuff today. If you don't eat your peas and carrots, God is going to be unhappy because this is good stuff that God has made. How dare you not eat his peas and carrots that he has served up to you? And how dare you not give him the honor that he deserves? I've even heard, and, and God bless those people who have to sit and listen to this, that if you're not thankful enough, how can you even call yourself a Christian? Oh, so... My religion is based on how thankful I am to God for doing stuff. And of course, my natural response would be, well, what has God done for me lately that I may be even more thankful to Him? And there's a lot of that too. God, if you will help me at this point in time, I promise I will up my offerings even to, Lord God, if you let me win this lottery. I promise I will give a certain percentage to you. As if God's going, oh, well, hey. God owns it all, folks. And Paul says, what kind of God do you want? Do you want a God that you have to get up and serve and bow and scrape to so that he feels good about himself? Or do you want a God who doesn't need any of this stuff? A God who created you. A God who doesn't he, who, who is able to, when you come to him and when you ask, 
He is able to, to give you anything and even stuff that you don't even ask for. Has that ever happened to you? Sometimes, you know, it's not as good to pray, Lord God, I have a problem and here's how I'd like you to fix it. It's better to say, Lord God, you know I have this, this difficulty. You know I have this problem. You know that it's, it's just tough. Sometimes it just gets in my way. It causes doubt in my soul. If it be your will, remove this from me, as Paul did, right? I See, I think Paul, he couldn't see very well. He, he could see. He couldn't really see. But, I mean, vision-wise, he could see a lot better while he was persecuting Jesus. And then when Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he made him blind. And then Ananias came and baptized him. And scales fell from his eyes. Well, those scales, for Paul to see, he had to have been blinded in some other ways. He didn't lose his fervor for God, but I don't think he could see as well anymore. And this is why when he wrote one of his letters, he said, See, I'm signing this myself. Look at how big the letters are. Well, he had to make them bigger or else he couldn't see. Somebody, he would dictate it to someone, they would write it, and then he would sign his John Hancock to quote our history, to give a picture in your mind of what Paul did. And Paul had the thorn in the flesh, whatever that might be, perhaps sight, and he asked God to remove that, and God answered him and said, see, what did God say? My grace is sufficient for you, which means if you're going to make deals with God, man, you need to know a lot more than you know. Because sometimes when God gives you something, and, and I've said this before, some of you people, you, just stop, stop playing the lottery. Because God knows that if you win... It ain't going to be good for you. No matter how good you think it is going to be, it's not. And look, if you look back, if you look and you see these statistics, people who win the lottery, oh boy. Oh, not all, but most of them, a vast majority of people who get tons and tons of money. They don't know what to do with it. And they end up blowing it, and they end up in worse shape than they were previously. What kind of God would allow that to happen to all of his people? And yet, I, I've had family members attend a church where the, the preacher proclaimed that God wants all of his children to be rich. I miss that. I, I miss that in the Bible. I do I kind of want to be rich? Who wouldn't? Oh, which yacht shall I sail today? The big one, the little one, or the medium-sized one? See, I'm mad at the captain of that one, so I'll, you know. What does God want from us? He wants us to acknowledge Him. 
And what do we do? Well, we are religious people. We go and we are baptized. But when you read this, it is interesting. As I was listening to it, it's almost like for the first time I, I heard this. Um, and, and this here is, is, the, is where times that go way, way, way back when, when Noah had his, when he was building the ark. You know, it took him a hundred years to build that ark. Does that not make sense? A hundred years it took him. And he preached for those hundred years. And that sermon illustration of the ark coming up, because it hadn't rained before that time. It was like in California. I don't know if it rains in California. Well, of course it does lately. <laughs> yeah, but when you go out in California in the morning... The, the grass is so doggone wet, you know, don't, don't go out in your slippers. Because the grass is wet and the dew is, and that's the way it used to be. And then after all of the rain came down, the, that's when you saw the rainbow. And that's a reminder to God never to do this again. We look at the rainbow and say, oh yeah, that's a reminder that, that God sent the flood. And all. Well, yeah, that, that too but this is a reminder that when God looks down and He goes, Oy vey, that he, he does not send a flood. But it says here, in patience, He waited in the days of Noah as Noah was building the ark, and God was saying, man, Noah, God, you know, if you just hire some people or something, get this thing done, because I can't wait to flood this place. And yet Noah and his family who just were honoring the Father. It says Noah was a righteous man. Didn't say anything about his wife. Didn't say anything about his children and their, their wives. But the fact that they honored their father and they did what their father instructed them to do, they got a ticket on the ark. Whereas Methuselah, 969-year-old Methuselah, did not get a ticket. Was that good? Was that bad? I don't know. I think 969 years is enough, don't you? But was that the Methuselah could have he could have been a even more of a record breaker. But Methuselah didn't get on the ark. And it said people just they just stopped following God. Does that sound familiar today? And God said, okay, it's time to close the books. We talk about that, and we look at the weather, and we go, wow, you know, mm, is there different weather than there used to be when I was a kid? Yes, no, uh, this party thinks yes, that party thinks no. Is it cyclical? Are we going to hell in a handbasket? And sometimes it's kind of hard for me as a pastor to say, well, I don't know, I mean, but I'll just stick with the non-committal, but yet and yet very true statement that Jesus said. Your redemption draws nigh. It is closer today. Your salvation is closer today. Your redemption than it was yesterday and the day before. Well, how about a date, God? Can you just give me a date so that I know that? I'm really not spending my children's inheritance when I go and, and, and spend all that stuff. I know that they won't be around either. 
talk about stoic. (laughs) And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Live each day out. Follow me. Understand that when it comes to even baptism, it says, okay, in the days of old, those disobedient, long ago when God patiently waited in the days of all the earth, it, it, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience. And who's making the pledge? See, the church might teach that it's your responsibility to have a clear conscience towards God. How do you do that when we sin day in and day out? How do you have a clear conscience towards God? How is that a pledge to God? Well, you should be happy that God has done all that He's done. You should be happy about that, and if you're not, you need to fix that. I would rather read, just like the rainbow, and we say, oh yeah, the rainbow is all about us. No, it's about God reminding Himself. Baptism is God's pledge to us for a clear conscience. It's got nothing to do with washing our our dirty bodies. It's got to do with God's covenant. We are buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ rises again, so also we will rise. I don't get it. You don't have to. Your parents brought you there. Moms and dads brought you there and you were baptized and God pledged a clear conscience to you. Did you not receive it? You come to church, you say, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto you all my sins and iniquities with which I've ever offended you. Sins thought of, sins not thought of, things done that I should have done, things that I shouldn't have done that I did, things that I should have that I didn't do, all of these things. And then this guy gets up here because, I don't know, that's what he does. And you pay him to do it. And he says, In the stead and by the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. And what happens? What happens there? Am I the physician that whispers? Do I whisper positive thoughts into you? No, you have a clear conscience towards God. Do you not? How is this possible when we are sinful day after day? How is it possible? Because God has promised a clear conscience. Even in the midst of our sin, God clears our conscience because we know that by the blood of the Lamb, similar to in Athens, how those sheep were slaughtered and sacrificed and how that plague left that place, the plague of sin, death, and hell leaves us in the same way. We have clear conscience. We dare to walk around with clear consciences towards God because God himself bestows it upon us through Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. Is this not a miracle? 
Is this not a strong God who visits us and who gives us what we need, even when we don't realize we need it? Even before I was born, or I was a twinkle in my father's eye, or I was, I don't know what I was, I, I, to be honest. But I came about, and God had already established my salvation through Christ 2,000 years previous. How was I supposed to know? Did I ever have a chance to say, no, God, don't do that. I don't want anybody dying for me. No, God did what was needed. And now I stand before you, a poor, miserable sinner, and yet the words that come out of my mouth speaks to your souls and to mine. Is this not a great God? Is this not a God worth worshiping? And yeah, we have kind of a, you know, something up there, and people, some people might take issue with that because we're worshiping that, that cross. And I say, I don't know how else to explain it to you, but we don't worship that cross. We worship the being who suffered and died, who was also man, who came down, and we worship him. We don't worship that. That's only a reminder. Maybe like a rainbow. That's a reminder to us of how great our God is. And so now we go out and we believe when Jesus says, you know, I'm leaving this place. You're not going to see me. But I'm going to be in you and I'm going to be with you. And do we not all take Jesus home with us? Wherever we go, Jesus is there. And we know this. How do we know this? I don't know, but we know it. Try to convince me it's not true. Ain't going to happen. Why? Because you're stubborn. Some people might want to say that. Because you're indoctrinated. Maybe because it's true. And the fact that you don't understand it, I don't understand. Because I don't understand how somebody cannot be a Christian. But because I don't understand it, doesn't make it, not, doesn't make it so. There's a lot of non-Christians out there. Most of the world is non-Christian. How is this possible? I don't know. That makes me a bigot? I don't know what it makes me. But thanks be to God, the sinner that I am, God has reached out. And for some reason, I have reached back. I don't understand that. And it pervades our life. Mothers, fathers, children, they continue to go through doing the things that they are supposed to do because God did the things that He was supposed to do and that He did and that He continues to do. So, Go out. Be careful among them, English. Go out and do what God wants you to do. And what is that? I don't know. I'm not you. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Sometimes not so good. But I'm trying, just like I'm going to encourage you to try. 
and to do what God wants you to do. Love God. Love your neighbor as yourself. Whatever that means to you, do it. And Christ will go with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you because He has made a covenant with you that you would have a clear conscience toward Him. Amen. We continue with the offering. Uh, well, the offertory, because the offering, of course, is in the plate there. Uh, um, and uh, we'll continue with, the, uh, with that offertory, page um, 955. Let the vineyards be fruitful, we rise. and for all people according to their needs. O Lord, you bless and protect your people in a world where many false gods, known and unknown, are worshipped. Give your saints a clear and bold proclamation of Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, your Son suffered on our behalf to win salvation for us. Grant that we may have the privilege not only of believing in him, but also of offer of suffering for his sake lord in your mercy lord of heaven and earth you have given the spirit of the truth to dwell in us through holy baptism grant your spirit's steadfast guidance that the feet of his of this congregation and its catechumens may not slip into sin and unbelief but live always in praise of you before the world lord in your mercy creator you made from one man all the nations of the earth, and still you sustain us. Grant good leaders in every land who will seek peace and serve justice. Frustrate the cause of evil, violence, and oppression. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Father in heaven, you have given us a mirror of your love in the vocation of mothers who nurture, guide, and raise their children in all good things. Bless them in their calling. Sustain them. Through weary and difficult times, remember in compassion all who are barren and bring them comfort through the children of your church. Lord, in your mercy. Lord, you promise not to abandon us in our need, nor leave us as orphans. Send forth your spirit and work through us, your people, that the lonely, poor, homeless, and travelers may rejoice in your presence and the power of your love. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. We ask that you would be with those people who, who travel. Uh, Ron, uh, Lily, and family. Uh, 
Ilya and his wife Nikki uh, as they travel to Japan. Um, and all of those people who, uh, who are traveling. We ask that you grant healing according to your will and sustain in faith uh, for those whom we pray, especially those people in our bulletin that's ever before us and uh, the multi-generational family who's in turmoil at this time. Um, for the family and friends of Mike Rents, um, who recently passed away, um, we ask that you would be with those people who, whose journey um, uh, starts off in a new direction, if not already soon, in graduation. Um, Gawain Kiffin, uh, a student of Ilya's who's, who just graduated as a dentist yesterday. Uh, and all the graduate students uh, today and soon and all over, we ask that you would continue to be with those people who struggle mentally, physically. We ask, as we have already uh, mentioned, that uh, you would be with all of our mothers who have done excellent work, but because they have done excellent work, they've also honored their children to make decisions that maybe they wouldn't approve, and yet love still persists. We also give you thanks for the salvation and life you give us through Christ Jesus. You do not leave your people as orphans, but strengthen the penitent with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we ask that when we do come to the altar to receive that, that you would offer here this communion for our good. And may it strengthen our faith, just as the baptism that you have given us is a, is, has entered us into the gates of heaven. Lord, in your mercy. All these things and whatever else you know that we need, grant us, Father, for the sake of him who died and rose again and now lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. We pray the, the collect together. O oh God, from whom all good things come, lead us by the inspiration of your Spirit to think those things which are right, and by your goodness help us to do them. Through your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. We pray, I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life will be For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Please be seated.
Jesus is the light of the world. The light no darkness can overcome. I've chosen only two scripture readings so that our mothers can enjoy the remainder of the day, every minute of the day. The first reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and had a leather girdle around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the thong of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The second scripture reading, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for the new life you have given us through holy baptism. Especially, we ask you to bless Emma Cheney, Luke Seifert, Elena McGarry, Conrad McGarry, Gabriel McGarry, Cameron Tebow, and Barbara Gates on the anniversaries of their baptisms. Continue to strengthen them with the Holy Spirit and increase your gifts to them of grace, the spirit of wisdom, and the understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, the spirit of joy in your presence through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. O Lord, lift up his favor upon us and give us his peace. Amen. Um, we close with hymn 477.